Kevin O'Sullivan. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning. Mike Graham is still off. So this is the dependent vassal state of Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, Mike will be back in charge of the Independent Republic next Monday. Uh, I'll be with you all week. Uh, hope it's not too arduous for you. Uh, today, uh, much more on Russell Brand. This story uh, escalates by the day. Uh, the police are now officially investigating him after one woman, uh, extraneous to the four who made allegations in the media, another woman went to the police yesterday. So we now have an official police investigation into Russell Brand's alleged sexual predatory. Uh, and of course, uh, YouTube today, I and mean, we're going through the process now of cancellation. YouTube today have uh, suspended the monetization of his YouTube channel, which I think has six million subscribers. And trust me, will be making him a fortune. Uh, that will hit him hard in the pocket. Uh, but uh, I think things are going to get worse for Russell Brand. Uh, should stress, he denies all the accusations against him. Uh, we'll also be looking at uh, the Met Police again. Uh, yeah, they say they're cleaning it up, but it looks like it's going to be a long process. 60 Met officers, cops, every month face the sack for wrongdoing uh, for the foreseeable future. As it emerges that a staggering uh, 1,000, more than 1,000 Met Police officers and staff are um, suspended at the moment, uh, either suspended or on restricted duty for alleged wrongdoing. And a lot of these charges against coppers tend to be about domestic violence and sexual offences. What are they doing in the police in the first place? Talking about that later. Uh, I want to ask what the hell uh, Prince William thinks he's doing, uh, giving us a load of old greenery, flying across the Atlantic to once again uh, lecture us about climate change. Well, don't get on a jet, Will. That might help a bit. How about that? Don't this do as I say, not what I do. I've had enough of it. I uh, hope you have too. NHS consultants uh, go on strike today in a lovely synchronised strike with junior doctors. This is specifically aimed to harm patients. Don't let them tell you anything else and people will die because of this. Happy with that? People dying on the altar of industrial action. Uh, a strike should not cost a single life and the government, uh, in my view, needs to ban these frontline medical workers from walking out because you know, lives are being lost because of it. Absolute disgrace. Keir Starmer, his uh, betrayal of Brexit continues apace. He's over in Paris, cozying up to Emmanuel Macron, saying, oh, please, can we have a better deal? Please. Oh, it's pathetic. And it's not what the people of this country voted for. What does he think he's playing at? Uh, also, uh, find out about uh, the Danish artist, uh, Alex Phillips, and I were just... Uh, discussing this, uh, he's, he's uh, painted, or well, not painted, a blank canvas. It's completely white. He was supposed to meld in somehow 57,000 quids worth of Danish money. And that was the artistic statement. Not quite sure what it is. How to waste money, uh, is that it? But he didn't. He pocketed it. Uh, and the painting, the non-painting, is called Take the Money and Run, which is exactly what he did. And uh, it's now gone to court. And he said, well, you know, me nicking the money was part of the art. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and in other defences that don't stand a snowball's chance in hell, uh, there are many other excuses that criminals come up with. Uh, plus, 
World of Woke, uh, we're going to do this story as well. Braun, uh, the maker of electrical gadgets, is advertising a men's hair trimmer uh, using a trans man who's had a double vasectomy. Why can't they just get a bloke? I mean, you know, get, get, get a kind of guy who needs it. You know, like me, for example. You know, well, actually, I'm available. Do you want to hire me as your model? What do you mean you're not interested? Outrageous. Uh, all that and so much more, so don't go anywhere. Stick with me right here, right now, at the home of free speech and common sense. Talk TV. Let's spend Tuesday morning together. Now, uh, with me, uh, right at the outset, uh, is uh, the excellent Russell... Uh, I was going to say Russell Brand. Uh, Russell Quirk. Political Careful. commentator. Not a good day to be called Russell, is it's it? It's really? not a good week to be called Russell. No, that's for sure. That is for sure. So, um, yeah, so look, YouTube, as you say, the kind of uh, the wheels are turning to kind of cancel and get rid of Russell Brand altogether. Um, and I think we need to be very, very careful here. I mean, not only because, and I know this has been very well worn over the last few days, mm -hmm. the kind of whole innocent till proven guilty thing. We know that trial by media effectively is guilty until proven innocent. It's the other way around. Sort of, yeah. Well, it is. That. And look, I, I think, don't think this is trial by media. Look, no. so Russell brand may well be and we do not know yet no, be guilty don't. of impropriety we don't we know don't that yet know that. He, um, he denies yes it. but the fact that you know this has been under investigation for months if not years and the fact that it's only now only just gone to the police yesterday i think he's curious i must say um but the fact well, no, that no 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 i mean the thing is the thing is just on a technical point these four women who made the allegations in the sunday times and on uh dispatches on channel four None of them actually went to the police. I think uh, you can understand why it can be very arduous yes, completely. and traumatic for women to go to the police about rape or sexual assault. Uh, yesterday, a fifth woman uh, went directly to the police. So the police can't act until they get an official complaint. They've got that now. And so Russell Brand is officially being investigated uh, for inappropriate sexual yeah, behaviour so, so, by so my, the cops. My concern is not the, the, the women's right not to go to the police because, of course, as the documentary well stated, you know, there are lots of reasons for them not oh, to do that really in terms are. of the, the how this is perceived. You know, they've got family considerations. I completely understand and get that. But but I think we've, we've got straight back into a situation where the majority of people, it seems, will think that he is guilty without there having even been a proper investigation. He's had his right to reply. Obviously, he went out two nights ago and kind of protested his innocence but but history recently kev is littered with the innocent that were perceived as guilty and then proved innocent kevin spacey is probably the most recent example ted heath of course who didn't get to clear his name before he died uh, cliff richard paul gambaccini harvey proctor yeah, no no sure. i think we need to be very very careful that if he is innocent his career is already ruined yes um uh... But I, I reject the idea this is trial by media. This is a brilliant investigation. It took four years by the Sunday Times, the Times and uh, Channel 4 dispatches. It's a, a, a massive story. Uh, you know, uh, on a purely journalistic level, you know, cynically, I'm going to say this. It's a great story. Yeah. And the definition of a great story is a story that everyone wants to read. And everyone wants to read this. So uh, what this emanates from is a, an extremely thorough an impressive investigation, the results of which Russell Brand denies. Uh, but those papers and Channel 4's dispatches, they are there to be sued by Russell Brand if he says that they've told lies about him, damaging lies. I haven't seen anything from him so far. So this idea, trial by media, it's like any time there's a story, uh, you know, criticising some kind of famous person, politician or 
a celebrity because trial by media. It's not. It's the newspapers covering a good story. It, it is. But what would be wrong with that investigation taking place and then it being handed over to the police for there to be a proper well, they investigation? Have, they have done that. No, no, but, but only much more recently, not mm. when the results of the investigation by the Times, Sunday Times mm. and Channel mm. 4 uh, was known, which was several several months ago. All, all I'm cautioning is mm. this could happen to anybody. You know, if it happened to Kevin O'Sullivan and you were... It's only a matter of time, mate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were—you uh, had the finger pointed at you, so to speak, and you, in all good conscience, were innocent. You, you'd be thrown off the show. You'd be thrown out of talk TV towers, um, even if you were innocent of any wrongdoing. Just because, perhaps, I'm not saying this is the case, perhaps some had it in for you for other motives. Yeah, as I say, I, I, this is nothing really to do with Russell Brandt, uh, but it is interesting that he is quite clearly locked firmly in the cancellation process. Mm. And the cancellation process no matter who the victim is, uh, always takes the same uh, form. And what happens is it's, it kicks off, you know, the allegations that hit the papers or the newspaper, uh, the radio or the television. Uh, and then uh, the first thing to, the first thing that they get dropped by is a charity. A charity drops <laughs> yes. them first. Then the management. And then they start coming for them uh, in terms of uh, their finances. And I'm not uh, uh, forgetting, of course, that... Uh, Russell Brand's chance of getting hired by a TV company uh, is now, uh, I was going to say next to zero, isn't next, it's zero. No, but Kevin, it's a cynic zero. might say that that's less about their conscience, the likes of YouTube's conscience, mm. and more about they have to ensure that from their PR department's point of view, they are seen to do the yeah, right yeah, thing. No, yeah. they, they, they are seen to do the right thing. No, look, I'm, I'm just cautioning. And of course, the conspiracy theories are already out there, and I don't subscribe to these, but the fact that you know Russell Brand has nurtured this six million... Uh, cult following almost yes. in inverted yes, commas it is a cult in order right? in order and this is this is the conspiracy theory in order to potentially in the future as in now cover his tracks in terms of this alleged uh, bad behaviour I mean look I don't subscribe to that but you can mm. understand why as a, a kind of outspoken anti-establishmentarian mm. long word uh, that some might think that he's being got at a little here yeah and by the last point about him he contends he said, oh, I, I, this seems like a coordinated conspiracy attack on me by the mainstream media. It's like, Russell, you're not that important. They're, they're not, it's not that. They've got four serious allegations that add up to uh, an extremely compelling story. It is nothing to do with the mainstream media being threatened by you because compared to the mainstream media, you're just a pipsqueak. Uh, now let's move on. Talking of pipsqueaks, Keir Starmer <laughs> is over in Paris uh, with that pipsqueak Emmanuel Macron uh, rewriting uh, our Brexit deal. Utter betrayal of the 2016 referendum result. Uh, Kevin, I think it's astonishing that Keir Starmer is that stupid. That he yes. He lurches from last week talking about doing deals with the EU that take us closer to the EU once again, which we all know that he's a fan of because, of course, he was one of the biggest protagonists for a second referendum a few years ago after the Brexit vote. So that he would go public as to wanting closer integration with the EU over the migrant crisis, this so-called sharing of migrants, so that we would have to effectively take another 120,000 asylum seekers from France, Italy, Germany and so on by way of balance. Now he's talking about completely unnecessarily renegotiating a Brexit deal that, frankly, 99% of the public have forgotten about. Yeah. Bre Brexit is a historic thing. We voted. We'll live with it. This does not... And even the EU, from what I've read this morning, don't want to reopen this Pandora's of box don't. of anxiety yeah. and 
uh, you know, hardship, really, yeah. because automatically, I mean, there's enough to divide countries and Europe yeah, as it yeah, is yeah. without now opening this and renegotiating. He's, um, but this is, again, being a cynic, perhaps you could think, this is his first step towards closer integration with the EU and is. taking us back into the EU. We know is. he's a fan of that. But he can't think of anything else. When he was uh, with uh, Corbyn, uh, you know, he was a, a manic Remainer. He remains a Remainer. Uh, he's surrounded by manic Remainers on his oddball shadow cabinet front mm. bench. And I think he only hears this story. Mm. Oh, people don't like Brexit. Oh, they want a better deal with Europe. Well, actually, Keir, people do like Brexit. And, uh, you know, it, it's got a lot of shortcomings, our deal. But, you know, we're still surviving. Unlike Germany, we're not in recession. Well, the EU uh, we're zone doing better than France. We're doing yeah. better than Spain. We're doing better than Italy. We're not doing that badly uh, now that we are an independent nation. And uh, Keir Starmer, he just can't get it through his head that what we don't want is closer ties with Europe. We just don't want it. It's as simple as that. That's what we voted for. Uh, why don't you take that on board, Mr. Starmer? Or should that be Sir Keir? Uh, when we come back, let's talk about the doctors. Uh, they've all gone on strike again today. I'm with Russell Kirk, political commentator. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan and this is Talk TV live from the Talk Radio studios. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Uh, welcome back. I'm still with political commentator Russell Quirk. Today, Russell, uh, with a sickening inevitability, the uh, consultants, those poor guys and women who only earn £150,000 a year from the NHS, striking for more money. Let's hope they get 300 grand. Eh? That would be great, wouldn't it? So they could get even bigger cars and bigger second homes in their mansions in North London. Uh, out, brothers, out. Give me a break. Anyway, they're going on strike yet again today. And uh, this strike, uh, you know, I think it's sinister, this. Uh, they're synchronising it with junior doctors. So in other words, what I think these uh, consultants and doc junior doctors have felt in the past, our strikes in the past haven't done enough damage. Yeah. They haven't compromised patient safety enough. So if we go out together, you know, hopefully... Uh, we can really cause some problems for the patients. Uh, yeah, and, uh, Kevin, take Kevin there is no doubt this is politically motivated. This all kicked off with Mick Lynch about 18 months oh. ago, the man that called for a general strike and for an equalisation of uh, you know, wealth, not just pay, but wealth across the country. Uh, and this is a kind of legacy of that, I think. Um, and and this, this misnomer that you see the banners that some of these doctors are kind of carrying on their uh, on their picket lines that they're only on 14 pounds an hour they earn more in mcdonald's and so on that simply isn't true yeah. we all know that junior doctors and consultants there's a there's a huge disparity between junior doctors by those the way, at who the are often in their 50s yeah those at the beginning they're of their career juniors. those at the end and and so you know many of them are earning six figures there's also the fact that many of them do lots of private work which they wouldn't have if they weren't doctors and of course let's not forget the training that they get given by the british taxpayer is epic it is monumental it is the best in the world and also extremely expensive. They don't pay that back. That's kind of part of it. And frankly, Kevin, I think if you're a junior doctor that doesn't want to earn whatever you earn, don't do the job. Go and do something else. But don't hold the rest of the country and their health to ransom just because you want to make a political point. Totally. And if you're being really cynical about the consultants, is what they're doing is lining their own pockets. Because by going on strike, uh, patients don't get treated. The waiting lists get longer. And we know more and more people, even if they struggle to afford it, are going private. And guess who they end up seeing when they yeah. go private? The consultants who are on strike who are allowed to carry on with their private practice. But, but Kevin, so, the, the, the irony is... Feather 
securing their own nests. Kevin, the irony is the left and the unions, as a consequence of these very damaging strikes over the last mm. year and a half, will say, look at the state of the NHS, look at the state of these waiting lists getting longer and longer and longer. The ONS and others have already said that one of the main ingredients, one of the main reasons that waiting lists are longer and people are dying, as you rightly say, is because of the strikes. So they go on strike for selfish reasons and then blame the government for the effect <laughs> of the strike. You couldn't make it up. It's ridiculous. And today uh, the government has come up with a really, really toothless, useless plan uh, to force doctors to work uh, during their strikes, uh, to come off the picket lines, to care for patients, uh, to provide what's uh, described as, and I quote, a minimum service. Well, as I, as I understand it, they've got that already. What the government should be doing is, OK, enough people have died because of your strikes. We are now adding frontline medical workers, as in uh, nurses, ambulance drivers, doctors, consultants, surgeons, uh, to the list of workers who are not allowed to go on strike. And you think of the other uh, uh, organisations that can't go on strike, the army, police, the police yeah. prison officers. Now, of course we don't want them to go on strike, but uh, if they all did walk out, nobody dies. Doctors walk out, people die. So I would argue it's more urgent to ban medical workers from going on strike than it is the police. I, I don't think anyone could disagree with that. And, and the, the fact that, you know, uh, essential <coughs> services are not allowed to go on strike, as you say, police and uh, and, and uh, the army and the like, doctors, medical professionals surely fall into the same category. So, of course, they should be stopped from going on strike. That doesn't mean, by the way, before the left get triggered and agitated, that doesn't mean that they can be held to ransom by that legislation and not given a pay rise. Simply... What we should do in instances like this is take a blend of all the pay rises that the public sector have got over the last 12 months, which is about 6 or 7%, which, as it happens, is about the current inflation rate, and give them that. All this rubbish about wanting to go back, what do they call it, pay restoration. Yeah, yeah, they want to yeah. go back to get the equivalent of what they should have been on if they'd had lovely pay rises yeah. every year over the last 15 years. Look, wake up, no one's had that. Yeah. That that simply isn't an economic yeah. reality. And if you're a consultant, you get 150 grand a year. Trust me, nobody gives a flying damn about your pay claim. They don't want you to get it because you already earn too much. Uh, but uh, good luck with your strike, and uh, let's hope not too many people die because of it. Uh, let's uh, talk... By the way, uh, so Sadiq Khan is in New York... Yeah, uh, t ..telling the United <laughs> Nations that uh, after initial misgivings... Uh, Londoners have been educated into supporting his ULES expansion. And Kevin, how sinister! That's a lie. How sinister! That's a lie. That, but how sinister does that sound? That he is educated, big inverted. But he hasn't though, has he? Yeah, but, but it sounds like something that the Chinese do with yeah, those yeah, camps, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? You know, you don't agree with me, so I'm going to re-educate yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very sinister. But but has Sadiq Khan never heard of Zoom? I mean, why does he need or to... Or Prince William, or for Prince that William. matter. Why do they need to fly a great taxpayer's expense, Sick not just it. financially, but also from a carbon footprint point of view, over to New York? Now, apparently, Sadiq Khan and his team, so bearing in mind it's not just him, there'll be ten of them, won't there, probably, yeah, yeah, PRs yeah. and assistants and so on. Um, he has flown the equivalent of 17 times around the world since he took office in 2016. Unbelievable. So his carbon footprint, I think he is responsible for about 200 tonnes of pollution, yet all he bangs on about at uh, County Hall 
uh, and in the press with regard to you, Les, is how we need to protect the environment. Do we think this smacks of a little bit of hypocrisy? Yeah, perhaps? I don't want to be lectured by him having uh, flown across the Atlantic and ruined the environment by so doing, nor do I want to uh, be lectured about the environment by King Charles, or specifically in this case, Prince William, who has also flown across the Atlantic and ruined the uh, environment uh, uh, and he's a member of the royal family what is a member of the royal family doing having a meeting with that half-wit uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez and Gutierrez has got one topic hmm. Climate change. Yeah, climate, the only thing he talks. The climate about. crisis. Yeah, yeah but climate they're, they're, crisis. But they're all jumping on. Oh, the he's family. the one who. He's the one who said oh, we can't call it uh, global warming anymore. Global boiling. It's global boiling. Nothing at all in the whole world is boiling because of climate change. Antonio Guterres wants to call it global boiling. That's because he is an ocean-going idiot. But what is a member of the royal family? doing having a political meeting with the secretary general of the un about green politics well I, i'm afraid it's just optics it's a popularity contest in my opinion so whether you're an unelected member of the royal family bear in mind i'm a royalist so I, i'm certainly a republican um it, it's all about how this is designed to look um this jumping on the bandwagon yeah. on the hobby horse of this extreme cultism yeah. which is what it is um it applies equally to politicians as it does celebrities as it does royal family because it looks good again it's all about pr and perception. Uh, whatever happens to the royal family being neutral? Yeah, well, we see what they think, though. What Charlie and William think uh, is, like, if they say, oh, save the planet, the environment, climate change emergency, that that's universally accepted and mm. therefore not political. Well, it isn't accepted by me. I it's suspect political. it's not or accepted me. by you. Uh, this is clear involvement in politics by two senior members of the royal family, it's, the king and his son. It's pure politics. Maybe William's just trying to keep up with his brother, Harry. Yeah, I, it, and also... It is that I mean I suppose it's what royals do, but it is just virtue signalling. Oh look, we're looking for oysters in the Hudson River. Oh great! No, I, look, I think it's okay. You know, Prince Charles famously converted his gas-guzzling Aston Martin to something that yeah, apparently yeah, you know, costs about fifty grand. Yeah, but runs on wine and cheese. Wine right? and cheese. And we can talk about the carbon footprint of wine and cheese all you like. Yeah. Um, but look, that's fine if he genuinely believes that's the right thing to do. But don't use your platform that you know some would argue you know is a, is an unjustified one. Um, to start lecturing to the rest of us when you are purely hypocritical yourself and spend most of your time on private jets. Let's see what the viewers and listeners think about that. Should Prince William be over there in New York having political meetings about environmental issues uh, with the Secretary-General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres? I mean, should he be doing this? Should King Charles keep doing it? They seem to think it's all right to bang on about green politics, even though they ban themselves from talking about any other politics. Uh, I don't think it is all right, but you think it's all right? 03444991000. When we come back, 60 Met officers a month face the sack for wrongdoing. And uh, 1,000, more than 1,000 officers are either suspended or on restricted duty, accused of serious wrongdoing. What is going on in London's flagship police force? Uh, like all, I say flagship it's an absolute shambles right now, isn't it? That next, I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. Uh, this is Talk TV, live from the Talk Radio studios. Thank you to Russell Quirk, political commentator, for an excellent half hour. Stay tuned. On your mobile, on your wavelength, Talk Radio and Talk TV. 
welcome back. I'm going to talk about the police. I mean, we all know, uh, what is it, six uh, forces around the country are under special measures, which is the equivalent, uh, if you're at school, of being on detention. Everything they do is monitored and they've got to raise their game. Uh, the biggest player in this uh, pool of uh, despair is the uh, Met Police. Uh, the Met Police flagship, London's uh, flagship police force, uh, where the new commissioner or the newish uh, commissioner uh, says he's going to clean the force up. But it turns out that's a massive task. Uh, and we're told today uh, that at least 60 Met Police cops could be sacked every month for the next two years. Uh, as senior figures warn of more difficult and abhorrent cases to fight. Uh, we know about, you know, lots of these cases are domestic violence. Or they're often sexual offences. Uh, and these coppers, uh, while under investigation, appear to remain on the payroll. Some of them get restricted duties. Some of them are suspended, but we still pay their wages. Isn't that special? And there are a thousand, more than a thousand officers uh, right now. Uh, not working fully, uh, either at home or on restricted duties, accused of serious wrongdoing. How do we get to this state? Let's talk to uh, former Met Police Detective Chief Inspector Mike Neville. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Kevin, from, from Gibraltar today. Oh, of course. <laughs> what are you doing in Gibraltar? I've, I've got married. Oh, I got did, married, Kevin. Did you? Uh, like John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> Mike. Congratulations. Uh, very pleased to hear that. Uh, but I'm afraid uh, we're going to have to bring you crashing down to earth with more grim news about uh, the Met Police, your former force. Uh, it's the magnitude of, of this situation that I think is shocking. Uh, you know, they say, oh, we're cleaning it up and uh, at least 60 Met officers will be sacked every month for the next two years. There's a, more than a thousand officers uh, either restricted duty or at home suspended, charged with very serious offences. So I suppose the question, Mike, is how did it ever get to this pretty pass? I agree. And, and there's some historical precedents here with Sir Robert Mark in, in the 1970s. Where, where he said a, a good police force is one that catches more crooks than it employs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and Mark came in from an outside force who's brought in from Leicestershire, really, as an assistant commissioner. The, the problem is I have here, I think Mark Rowley is a, a decent chap, and I know Stuart Cundy, but what you've got is every senior officer who's dealing with this is was part of it when it all took off over the last five or ten years. They've all been in senior positions. Mark Rowley was a, an assistant commissioner five, six, seven years ago. Uh, and so it could do with somebody fresh coming in. But it, it really is a tragedy. I was I was proud to be a Scotland Yard detective. And amongst that thousand uh, officers you speak of there, uh, Commander Bennett, who was known as Saka for his, uh, <laughs> his, you know, his, uh, his enjoyment of throwing people out, he has been on full pay, suspended for three years. That's a commander's pay. That's £120,000 at least a year because he, he was uh, allegedly taking drugs and definitely failed a drugs test, or failed, refused to take one. So I just can't see how he couldn't have been dealt with 
before because that's an absolute offence. You yeah. either do the drugs test or you don't. You get the, sus the suspicion that some of these cops sitting at home, uh, pulling in a full salary, uh, probably taking other jobs, probably having a, a whale of a time. So we need to get a move on with this. But uh, in the past year, a uh, hundred officers have been sacked for gross misconduct, and that is uh, up by sixty-six percent on the normal rate. Why are things getting worse in the Met, Mike? Well, I think it's the you know the darkest hour is often the one before the dawn. They've got to get rid of people. You know, they've got to uh, they try. They damned if they do, damned if they don't. So the more people they get rid of who are the wrong type of people to be in the police, up to a point, you've got to say to Mark Rowley, well done if you're. Uh, flushing people out but they still not recovered from the vetting issues where they weren't vetting some people properly uh, and I heard from a colleague the other day uh, somebody turned up at training schools halfway through training and then was arrested on fingerprint evidence for a crime you know that <laughs> hasn't the vetting hasn't been done and the other awful elephant in the room is, is, are the diversity targets because what happens is is that they lower the standards to let to achieve diversity uh, targets some people are allowed into the police who should never have been allowed in uh, and then the police are accused of racism because more black or asian people are disciplined so it's a really a vicious cycle where there is no real win. You know, the more people they boot out, they criticise, they deal with officers who shouldn't be in there. Sometimes they, they call racist when really they, they should be recruiting people who are black, white, brown or whatever colour, just on the standard of their character rather than the colour of their skin. And so all these factors come together and they just lower the trust that the, the, the public have in the in the police, and it's, it's really heartbreaking, to be honest. Yeah, and here's another element of that syndrome, uh, a staggering 1,600 Met Police officers and staff have been subjected to complaints uh, or have been the subject of complaints over violence or discrimination towards women. Uh, now, that is worrying in itself because, you know, we've seen these WhatsApp groups uh, where coppers have actually quite often been fired for sending these vile messages about women in particular. So you wonder when you hear that, that is a, that's a huge figure, 1,600 Met officers are the subjects of complaints over violence or discrimination towards women. Uh, is misogyny a big problem among coppers today, Mike? It just, to be quite honest, one, one thing that amazes me that they still use WhatsApp, message, WhatsApp to use these sort of hideous messages that they uh, they send and, and the whole thing needs to be rooted out because it isn't good enough because women should feel confident that they can report these things and it's just the whole for it's everything it's all aspects of the force i don't think it's just misogyny uh, it's everything that's just wrong they've recruited the wrong people for for a decade uh, they need to get new people in charge to just change the whole culture of it. They need a new Sir Robert Mark. That's what they need. And they need uh, a proper application system so that uh, people uh, are properly vetted, are properly interviewed, because half the people who get into the police force, they're never interviewed. They just fill a form in. So they should be personally interviewed, vetted, and senior officers should decide by talking to these people whether or not they are the right kind of person to become a police officer, because the fact that that process hasn't been happening for a long time is why we're in this complete state now. But just before you go, Mike, I've got to ask you, uh, Russell Brand, 
uh, Mayface, uh, a woman came forward yesterday to the police. So there's an official investigation uh, into uh, her historical uh, claim of sexual abuse, uh, rape, uh, many years ago, obviously. Just a quick word from you uh, on the difficulty of investigated, uh, investigating or indeed proving a historical sexual assault case. Well, it's where, this is where the media can help. If you look at Stuart Hall, for example, remember the BBC presenter, it's a knockout, that sort yeah. of thing. The only reason that people came forward is because it appeared on the media. If he'd just been charged with one offence, it would have been likely that he would have uh, been found not guilty. Yeah. When 10 or more women came forward, or girls with the same uh, stories, the same allegations, uh, then it was a much more stronger case. So it's a really difficult uh, time for an officer to, when you go into the media, to see what other allegations, because obviously you're going to get some people who come forward who are not telling the truth, and there are those people who are, and you've got to sift through them. But in these sort of cases, like the Stuart Hall, it can have some benefits, but the, the tragedy is, is, is when you come to the court case, there's already, already been a, a trial by media. And, and Russell Brand, of course, is a different man today, I suppose, than he was when he was in his 20s, when people were egging him on to do the most outrageous and disgraceful thing. So mm. it's a very complex matter. But as I say, the media can help where you've got people like Stuart Hall who've targeted disparate people, or disparate women or girls who then need to be have the bravery to come forward and, and give their allegations. Uh, indeed. Uh, I have to stress again, Russell uh, Brand denies all wrongdoing. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, congratulations. Have a lovely honeymoon. That's uh, Mike Neville, former Met Police Detective Chief Inspector and brand new husband. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV. This is the second hour of my mid-morning spectacular. This is, of course, uh, effectively the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, but Mike's not around this week, uh, taking a well-deserved break to see his family. Uh, so this is the dependent vassal state of Kevin O'Sullivan, and you'll have to put up with me all the way until Friday. Uh, coming up in this uh, next 60 minutes, uh, in a little while, we'll be talking about NHS consultant strikes, uh, joining uh, forces with the junior doctors, uh, causing all sorts of patient safety issues. Uh, we need to talk about that. Uh, should the government ban frontline workers from going on strike? Now that they're coordinating, synchronising their strikes, that's a de deliberate assault on patient safety. It cannot be interpreted as anything else. And they can't be allowed to do this. I mean, effectively, they're sort of signing the death warrants of patients who aren't getting proper treatment. And we just stand around going, oh, well, they're on strike. Oh, man. Well, you know, I support the right to go on strike. It's a sacred right of all workers. But uh, if lives are at stake, I'm afraid my commitment to that begins to dissolve. Uh, also, uh, Keir Starmer's Brexit betrayal, that poor Lee deluded Labour leader who seems to think that what Britain wants is ever closer ties with Europe. No, Keir, we voted to leave. We don't want close ties with Europe, thanks very much. Seems to think he needs to negotiate a better deal with the EU for Britain. And you know what that would entail? Us much more involved in the EU, at the centre of the EU, dragged into it, being told what to do by the EU. That's what he means by uh, a better Brexit deal. It means to sort of basically rejoin in all but name. 
Uh, I'll be talking to uh, Sir John Redwood about that. So uh, lots still to come in this hour. But uh, for the meantime, we need to return to uh, Russell Brand. Uh, we're learning today that, of course, YouTube has suspended monetization of his YouTube channel. Now, uh, it has been estimated that for, by posting five short videos a week, all about conspiracy theories and mainstream media and all that nonsense, uh, he, he's making £1 million a year. So today, they cut him off at the financial pass. Uh, so uh, he is being systematically cancelled uh, and he faces serious criminal problems as well. Uh, let's talk to media lawyer Paul Gilbert. Morning, Paul. Morning. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Russell Brand, yesterday uh, a fifth woman came forward to say she'd been sexually assaulted by him. It is, of course, an historical allegation that may be dating back 20, 25 years. Uh, these cases, both for the police and for lawyers, are extremely hard to prove, aren't they? They are very difficult to prove. Uh, and um, it sort of, to some extent, explains why victims don't come forward, because, of course, what they know is that uh, potentially they will end up um, having to relive the experience that they went through in the course of testifying uh, at a criminal trial um, uh, because the the person who they have alleged uh, the, these offences against pleads not guilty. Uh, and the standard of proof in these cases for the prosecution is that uh, they must prove uh, that um, the offence beyond reasonable doubt. So as you rightly say, uh, it's a high standard uh, and, and they're tough to prove, on top of which you, you have the issue of the um, fact that a great deal of time has passed uh, between um, <coughs> the alleged offence uh, and um, when uh, the matter is heard. Uh, bear with me for a second, Paul. We've got a bit of breaking news. Uh, 27 more schools have been found with a rack, and that's that aerated chocolate aero bar style concrete uh, 27 more schools have been found with this unsafe concrete bringing the total now to 174 schools that is breaking news uh, Paul uh, yes uh, I mean that's the thing about rape or sexual assault cases in the end most of them because they don't tend to be witnesses they end up as a sort of he said she said uh, affair, don't they? And, and surely any barrister worth their salt can at least say, well, why would you believe her 100% and not believe my client 100%? You must admit there's a scintilla of doubt. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, that, that's all the defence have to show, that there is a doubt uh, because of that standard of proof that I just explained mm. about. There was a time, you know, back in the day when uh, for a rape allegation to be brought, there had to be some form of corroboration, usually uh, by way of a, what they call a recent complaint. So the person um, then says to a friend or someone within about 24 hours that they've been raped. Don't they have that, that in... Sorry to interrupt. Don't, don't, they have that's that, gone now. Yeah. don't they have that in Scotland? They do have corroboration in Scotland, don't they? Uh, the, yeah, the, yes, they do. Sorry, you're quite right. Yeah. The, the corroboration is required. But not, not in the rest of Britain. Uh, yeah, that's but not like... in the rest of Britain. No, no, that's gone now. But it be sort of, in a way, it, it, you know, it contributes to the fact that these are difficult place, cases to prove. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why, you know, you have to be so careful about um, where someone makes a complaint, the police say they've received a complaint, 
even that somebody's arrested in relation to that complaint, because that is a long way from someone being convicted uh, at a court hearing. Uh, now, uh, you know, Russell Brand, he denies all the allegations against him, says all of his sexploits, as it were, were uh, consensual. Uh, if you were his lawyer right now, Paul, what would you be advising him? What, what should his next move be? Well, I would advise Sorry to put him. you in this position, but uh, <laughs> just imagine it, you know. Well, I have sort of been in that situation. I, I would advise him not to say anything further about any of these allegations because he may find himself uh, being arrested and interviewed under caution about them. Uh, and, and that is where, if anything is going to be said, it should be said. I mean, depending on the strength of the evidence that the police have, because, of course... Uh, as you, as I know you well know, Kevin, uh, there is a right to remain silent even in an interview under caution. Um, so uh, he doesn't say anything further about this. He sort of carries on with um, what he is currently doing, although I, of course, he now can't make any money out of doing that. Um, but but he certainly doesn't say anything further. Um, and I wonder if that might have a little bit to do with why he cancelled the remainder of his tour. Uh, indeed. And... Um... In terms of, he's being cancelled, isn't he? Uh, uh, but also yeah. he's at the centre of this media firestorm. Now, people depict that as trial by media. And I think that's an unfair characterisation of what's going on. What happened was, on Sunday, and indeed Saturday night on uh, Channel 4 Dispatches, and then Sunday Times, you know, some very serious allegations were made against Russell Brand. Uh, the result of four years of painstaking investigation. So we have to take this extremely seriously. Uh, now, after that, that is, uh, in purely journalistic terms, that is a compelling story. Therefore, naturally, all the other papers are going to pile in on it. Uh, and just kind of dismissing all of these, oh, this is trial by media, trial by media. I don't think it is. I think the media, a section of the media, Sunday Times and Channel 4, have uh, conducted an impressive investigation and the rest of the papers are reporting it. That, depicting that as trial by media, I don't think is accurate. I, I agree with you, uh, uh, Kevin. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think really where that came from was in the, I don't know what you call it, the bad old days when, um, uh, you, you know, rumours would be reported um, things would be said that weren't right uh, and it would launch into speculation about um, uh, something said against a celebrity or about a celebrity, allegations about a celebrity. Mm -hmm. This was a, as you rightly say, a very thorough and if I may say so, impressive investigation um, by two reputable organisations. Uh, and it's right that that should be reported. That's, you know, that is what the media are there to do. What I think we've got to, though, of course, draw a distinction between is... Um, the issues that are being aired now and um, what the law regards as um, illegal. Uh, and, and and that's where the, the, this, this issue about whether it's a trial or, or, or whether it's uh, simply the media reporting something, uh, that distinction has to be made. I mean, I mean, there is this, and, and, and it's that point you made about him, effect, about Russell Brand effectively being cancelled. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that YouTube... They, they haven't taken him off air. Yeah. They've said, you can't make any money out of uh, appearing on YouTube. That's interesting. Yeah, good, good, good uh, nuance that. It is, isn't it? Uh, 
Um, and, and, you know, the, <laughs> there is a sort of interesting legal question, I think. I mean, I, I don't know what the contract is that exists where by a YouTuber is allowed to monetize their channel. Um, it, it will be subject to terms and conditions. Um, but but I, I, bet, I don't think there'll be a term in it that says, well, if you're accused of criminal offences, mm. we're going to not allow you to monetize what you put on YouTube. Uh, and I'd be interested to see what other YouTubers YouTube will now demonetize as a result of this precedent they now appear to be setting. Uh, so, um, you know, that in itself is a very interesting it is. issue. YouTube, of course, is saying that uh, he has uh, broken their creator responsibility clause. Uh, so uh, that's right, their Paul. contention. Last point to you, uh, Paul. Now, uh, the media industry, the television industry, uh, in terms of the allegations against Russell Brandt, which he denies, uh, stands accused of enabling him, uh, knowing about uh, his nefarious activities, his alleged nefarious activities, but turning a blind eye because he was the star of the show. A number of executives have actually been named. Others were no doubt involved. Is there a possibility that if this proceeds at the rate it's going right now, that some of those executives who work for the BBC and Channel 4 could be in legal trouble themselves. Um, so we're really going back, aren't we, to the early, well, the sort of 2000s. Well, it's in the noughties, yeah, two, 2004 um, or five. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's quite likely that all of those who had those responsibilities have moved on to possibly even new jobs, in which case... Um, that there's little that can be done. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt, though, and I think this is... I mean, I was so vividly reminded, and, you know, I, Kevin, I'm sure you and I both remember that uh, the fuss over the um, Radio 2 Andrew Sachs grand, um, phone call. And, and I always remember thinking at the time that um, uh, Jonathan Ross was sort of left holding the baby on that one. I mean, he... To he an extent, a... to an extent, although Russell Brandt lost his job over that and uh, yeah, but, mysteriously but Jonathan Ross didn't. That's because he was more used to the BBC than but, but Russell also, Brandt. He, because Russell Brandt got on a plane to fly to Hollywood and, and launch his Hollywood career. Yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of wonder <laughs> if this isn't... Uh, uh, things coming back to bite you uh, in terms of the, what, what's now happening. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Russell Brand. But there is no doubt that, that Russell Brand was able to behave the way he was because the workplaces he worked in allowed him to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the difficulty is that, OK, so the controller of Radio 2 and Radio 6 was was dismissed or resigned as a result of this. Yeah. But really, it, it's the people below her uh, and, and those that, that line managed, um, if I can put it in legal in, in, in employment terms, Russell Brand, that allowed him to behave in this way. Uh, and, you know, I just was reminded how shocking it was that a pre-recorded show. Yeah. Uh, was broadcast without anyone just checking, particularly given his reputation, which was well known. And, and let's face it, why BBC Radio 2 hired him in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's scarcely believable, the Andrew Sachs saga, but it happened. Uh, it wouldn't happen today. In fairness to the television industry, the radio industry, I think it's cleaned up its act to an extent but we still seem to stagger from one similar crisis to the next. Jimmy yeah. Savile, Philip Schofield, Hugh Edwards, now this. It all revolves around stars uh, being allowed uh, to behave exactly how they want because they're the stars of the show. Uh, it's an abuse of power in the end. Uh, they're, they're all uh, the same kind of syndromes. Interesting. Good to talk to you, Paul. Uh, thank you very much. That's Paul Gilbert, media lawyer. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about the coordinated medical strikes today, consultants and junior doctors. That next, I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. This is Talk TV, live from the Talk Radio studios. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, today's coordinated strike standing on picket lines, not treating patients today. Our consultants all struggling by on about 150 grand a year, uh, not including the hundreds of thousands they tend to earn in private practice as well. Uh, so, oh, I really, really hope they get more money. You know, do you want them to get more? 150 grand a year. They really need more, don't they? Uh, and junior doctors. So they've uh, synchronised these strikes. Uh, that can only be aimed at one thing, compromising patient safety. Uh, that's why you have a strike. You want to uh, let your bosses know that without you, uh, there are problems, uh, that the business won't run properly. And therefore, the bosses say, I want the business to run properly. We'll give these people a bit more money to try and end this dispute. That's what you do. You make it difficult for bosses. Uh, and I have no problem with that. But I have a problem uh, when it starts to involve human lives. Uh, so when these consultants synchronise with junior doctors to walk out on strike like they are today, patients will die. And that isn't an acceptable equation, if you ask me. Uh, let's talk to former NHS Trust Chairman Roy Lilly. Uh, good morning, Roy. Morning, Kevin. Uh, well, you heard what I just said. Uh, you know, today the government have unveiled a plan by which they say they will force doctors to come off the picket line to ensure what they call a minimum service. That's a quote. Well, I think the doctors maintain they're providing that already. Uh, I would suggest, look, if you really want to do something about these medical strikes, which seem to be going on forever, and are compromising patient safety to the tune of people dying, I think you have to ban 
frontline medical workers from going on strike. Uh, it's getting a bit ridiculous, isn't it, this? Well, yes, you're right. I mean, there's several things going on here, Kevin. First of all, it's very difficult for unions generally to synchronise their strikes because of the, the way the legislation is framed and the, the timescales and the balloting and all the rest of it. It's quite difficult to do. But in this case, you've got one discrete group of employees, the consultants, and another discrete group, the so-called junior doctors. That means anybody who's not a consultant or a GP. Um, and they are striking, but they're in the same union. So they are able to synchronise their strikes in a very damaging way. And there's no doubt about it. You're right. I mean, they will promise um, what they call uh, blue light front door services. So ambulances turning up, people will be looked after. A&E, um, ITU, that kind of thing, people will be looked after. But of course, what we forget is that, you know, about 80,000 people a day get knocked off the waiting list during strikes. And they're not there for fun. They're there because of clinical need. And, and they, you know, they're in pain, they're distressed, worried, anxious, you know, what's going to happen to me? And they get dumped in a no man's land. There's just under a million people now who've been knocked off the waiting list because people have been on strike. So coming to your point, could you ban uh, strikes? Well, yes, you could. Uh, uh, the fire, the uh, police service, of course, are not allowed to go on strike by legislation. You could do the same thing for principal public services. But if you do that... I think, in fairness, you've got to offer them some kind of better uh, industrial relations arrangements other than the rather flaky pay review bodies, which are a bit out of date. Um, and they've had a dozy, to be honest, they've had a dozy union. The BMA have watched for 10 years and watched their uh, members, the value of their members' wage packets erode. And that's why the junior doctors are saying, look, you know, we're 35% out of whack. So, yes, you could do it. I think it would actually be quite, uh, I think the public would be quite relieved if they did it. But you've got to think what you put in place to replace their right to withdraw their labour. Uh, I'm very uh, circumspect about, uh, you know, the uh, doctors and the consultants demanding 35%, a 35% pay rise. That's fantasy land stuff. Uh, you know, you expect them to ask for an amount that they won't get, you know, uh, shoot for the stars. But to shoot for 35% is, I would suggest, uh, A, absurd, and B, deliberately provocative, as if somehow or other these strikes are politically motivated and they don't really want a solution. Uh, with a view to that, what I would like, Roy, uh, is... This kind of standoff going on between the striking unions and the government and the health secretary, Steve Barclay, right now. I mean, no good can come of that. Cannot these people get around the damn table and at least talk? Why can't they do that? I, mean, I think the public, you're right. I think the public would say, great, let's ban these people from striking because we don't want any more people to die on the altar of industrial action. No single life should be lost because of a strike. Uh, that said... Uh, what the public would also like, I think, was for at least Barclay and the government to be talking to the unions. Get around a table. Maybe you can work something out. Can we do this? Well, look, I mean, you, you're right. I mean, every row you've ever had in your life with your partner, your neighbour, your employer, the people you work with, it all ends up with having to talk to people. Mm. And that's how all industrial disputes end. If the situation we've got to here is is that... Um, Barclay's in a difficult position because 
Sunak has said there will be no more talks on this year's settlement. So the prime minister said that and he's put him in a cul-de-sac, really. Now, you could uh, open talks on next year and the year after, because if you are going to get back into some kind of wage parity, it's got to be a three year deal. And let's face it, it's unlikely that the conservatives are going to form the next administration. So whatever deal they do, they can push it into Labour's lap and make them find the money for it. So there is that. But the political dimension is interesting as well, because there's something going on that not a lot of people understand or not a lot of people realise. The, the, the BMA have changed a lot. There's a group of doctors called Doctors Votes, um, and you can find them on Twitter at Doctors underscore Votes. And these are the doctors that are arranging the strikes. What they did, they got together on social media and they've taken over from within most of the principal committees in the BMA and they got 26 seats on the BMA council. So effectively, this group of doctors called Doctors Votes who are you know, very aggressive in their industrial relations approach. They are running the strike. And, and you know, if you listen to what they say and, and, and how they're conducting themselves, there's little doubt in my mind that it is political. Yeah. But, it, but of course, you're right. You know, in the middle of all this, if they want to have a fight with Rishi Sunak, fine, go and fight. But in the middle of all this is, you know, your relatives, my relatives, somebody's granny, people mm. watching this are in the crossfire mm. who are the collateral damage. And what the doctors never want to talk about, they never want to talk about the damage that's done to people who are shoved off the waiting mm. list. And it's and it's really very important. And you're right. You you spoke uh, earlier on about people dying on the waiting list. Well, the, uh, the a, lo a lot of the early data with the the uh, unplanned deaths in the data that the NHS has got actually was disputed by the BMA saying it was too early to tell. But the, 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 the data is starting to come through now. You can see unexplained deaths are going up. And it can really only be attributed to one anomaly, and that's the strikes. Absolutely. And uh, that is the point. Um, people are dying because of this. And I think the 35% demand proves that it's political. It's about destroying the evil Tory government. Uh, and uh, to use your bargaining chips as uh, people's lives it's just profoundly wrong uh, I just hope they can come up with a solution uh, soon uh, but I'm not holding out too much hope Roy excellent to talk to you as always Roy Lilly former NHS Trust chairman there uh, when we come back uh, Keir Starmer ooh la la he's in Paris uh, talking to Macron uh, trying to get closer ties with Europe trying to destroy Brexit you know the Brexit thing you voted for he doesn't want any of that. He wants to get rid of it closer and closer into the Brussels club again. That next, I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. This is Talk TV live from the Talk Radio studios. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Well, to my bemusement uh, and bewilderment, uh, Keir Starmer, having flown to The Hague last week uh, to talk about his uh, pathetic migrant crisis plan, uh, and annoy the EU in the process. He said, oh, well, we'll take our fair share, but the EU have got to let us send our migrants back. And the EU goes, no way, no way, we ain't doing that. So last week he's in uh, the Hague, cozying up to the EU, not very successfully. This week, right now, 
He's flown to Paris. He's in Paris uh, where he's talking to the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, he seems to be obsessed with getting us a better Brexit deal. I mean, we all have reservations about the deal we got, but uh, whether or not it needs the obsessive attention of the Labour leader right now, I think is a moot point. Uh, and he just wants to get closer and closer to Europe. And I just find that strange. You know, is, is, does he really think that's what the majority of people in Britain want? Uh, I think he does, but I think he's wrong. Let's talk to uh, Conservative MP for Wokingham, uh, former Cabinet Minister, of course, Sir John Redwood. Good morning, Sir John. Morning. Uh, what do you think uh, Keir Starmer is up to? And do you think that his bid to get ever closer to Europe reflects what the people of Britain want? No, I don't think he does. And I think it's a misjudgment if he wishes to make some wins in red wall seats, he will find that people uh, knew what they were doing when they were voting for Brexit. And what they want is the Brexit wins, to use the freedoms that have been so hard won. Uh, they don't want us surrendering more powers back to the EU. And my challenge to Keir is very simple. What are you seeking to gain for the United Kingdom? What is your ask? And if we know what your ask is, the EU will very quickly tell him what the price is. And we've always found in the past that if you have an ask for Britain, the price is, is higher and uh, unacceptable. And I don't believe it's going to be any, any different for Sakir. He, he doesn't seem capable of conceiving a Britain that makes its own decisions. You know, that's the whole point of Brexit. That we've become a, a sovereign, independent nation. Uh, capable of making its own decisions on absolutely everything. He still goes cap in hand. Last week to The Hague with his hopeless migrant crisis plan. Oh, could we do a deal with you, please, so that you know, we'll take some of yours and we'll send some of yours back. This week is in Paris. It is this old globalist viewpoint that uh, we need to be told what to do by the mighty EU. Uh, he doesn't seem to understand what Brexit was about, does he? He doesn't, doesn't understand democracy, that people vote for MPs and the MPs either do what people want or they get thrown out at the next election and you try a different lot of MPs. Uh, and this is obviously rather hard for Sakir and, and Labour to understand. I and mean, the great news is that if the EU comes up with a really good law or a really good idea, we can copy it. We can do it. <laughs> but when they come up with a bad one, why on earth do we want to impose it on ourselves? And what we've discovered in these long drawn out unsatisfactory negotiations of the EU in recent years is they always want to take too much. They always want to impose more financial burdens on us, which we wish to be free of. They always wish to tie us up in legal knots, uh, preventing us having the freedom to make good decisions in the future. We cannot accept that. We voted for something better. So please, British government, get on with using the freedoms more. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, Conservatives, the Conservative government should make much more of this and just say, look, we are the party of Brexit. We will make Brexit work. And this guy, the Labour leader, uh, should horror of horrors he get into number 10, He's uh, going to make Brexit not work. Uh, so I think that uh, if the Tories have the confidence to be a serious Brexit party, uh, Keir Starmer is right now in the process of handing uh, the government a kind of golden political chalice. They could win the election on this. 
think it would be very helpful, and, and it's clearly not helpful to the United Kingdom, because what Sakir doesn't seem to understand is if you go to Brussels saying we want to be friends with you, they don't immediately turn around and say, that's wonderful, have a, have a suite. They turn around and say, right, what we want from you is the following. And then the outcome, all the old legal tropes to tie us up and, and make sure that in the future, we couldn't do some things that were better for us. And I, I think that's such a great pity. I wish to be friends with our uh, allies and neighbors, um, and we are building decent friendships with them, but we don't want to be controlled by them. And we don't believe they've got all the right answers. And surely a British leading politician should believe that Britain has the capability to do things better, to do it in its own way. And above all, to be global, because we know that the EU was always trying to cut us off from the rest of the world by rules and, and barriers that uh, protected things that the Germans and French did. Would you accept my contention? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, Brexit is a disaster. We've got a terrible deal. Well, OK, uh, you know, no one would uh, contend that everything is perfect right now. But here we are. Uh, we voted to get out in 2016. In effect, we've been out of Europe for uh, over a couple of years now. Uh, and, you know, things aren't that bad, are they? We're, we're chugging along. We're, we're, the economy is still growing, unlike Germany, which is in recession. I think our economy is in much better shape than France, Spain, Italy, and a lot of the other EU countries. So this idea, oh, we've got to cosy up to Europe because we're in such a state because of Brexit. I think it's not true. Well, I, I think that um, the big things we've got, people just ignore. And we are no longer having to pay all the money into their budget for each annual budget that they're now putting forward. And they're spending much more than they were when we were in it because we were some kind of restraint. We're not going to be liable for all those massive sums they're now borrowing at EU level with lots of EU debt building up. We'd have had to taken our share of that and paid the interest and been liable for the debts. We're not. So financially, we, we have released ourselves from an awful lot of costs and quite a bit of that money has gone into the health service as one famous campaign said it could and it should. Uh, we're also now free to, to make our own decisions on laws. I don't think we're using it enough. But that uh, isn't upsetting me as much as if we had to accept all the EU laws again. And there are now hundreds of EU laws that have gone through, which uh, we don't think are suitable, which we haven't had to adopt. Uh, a quick word, last word for me, uh, Sir John. Uh, it's last week's story, but it's always interesting to get your take on these matters. Uh, Keir Starmer's uh, solution, his brilliant plan to solve the migrant crisis, uh, you know, was incoherent, in, uncogent on an epic scale. Uh, succeeded in infuriating the left, the right and the EU. What is wrong with this guy? I mean, this, his plan basically was we'll take in a lot more migrants, but we'll be, uh, hopefully we'll be able to send a few back to Europe. I mean, he, he doesn't get the migrant crisis, does he? Well, no, he doesn't. And I think he's got to understand that people are not only very frustrated uh, at the time it is taking to stop the small boats, where Labour has opposed practically all of the measures that might help uh, when the government's put them forward. But people are also worried by continuing very high levels of legal migration into low-paid jobs, when we want to get more of the UK people back into the workforce with better pay, uh, with higher productivity. And we're undermining that if we go for this um, let-everybody-in model. And I think Sakir and Labour are basically saying they will clear the backlogs by just allowing people through. And that isn't the answer British people want.
I know uh, it's possibly a forlorn hope, uh, but uh, do you, I, I'm forming the impression that Sakir Starmer and his uh, oddball shadow cabinet, uh, the front, but they're all obsessive remainers, which is where he gets his information from. Everybody wants to rejoin, don't they? Yes, they do, Keir. Well, that's just his mates. It's not true. Do, do, do you think that it's possible that because of the way Keir Starmer is mishandling everything, even being in Paris today is not a good look. He doesn't understand it, but it's not a good look. Uh, that just maybe the Tories uh, can beat him at the next election. I think the Conservatives have got plenty of opportunities, but we also need to improve and make some changes. I mean, we showed in the uh, Uxbridge by-election where we were on the popular side of an issue where Labour was trying to make it very difficult for people uh, with older cars and, and without enough money to replace them. Um, they were going to have their lives taxed and damaged. And the public says, no, we don't want that. We agree with Conservatives, this is a bad idea. Well, we've got to find a series of those things which are out there to show that we will be more in line with the instincts of people than Labour is because they clearly seem to be following the international EU agenda, which is tax, regulate and control. Do you know what, for my personal uh, two penneth worth, this is what I think is wrong with the Conservatives. There are too many Conservatives in the Cabinet, in backbenchers, who are somehow not proud to be Conservatives. They worry, you know, they're always trying to embrace green policies or Labour policies. Uh, I think the Tory party needs more people like you who are proud to be a Tory. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I'd certainly like more people who support some of my ideas within the party, yes. But I find they're pretty popular with the membership and quite a lot of the electorate because I'm a freedom-loving man. I, I believe that government should only interfere where it really has to. I think government interferes far too much. And then you can get um, interventions which makes things worse. And then instead of getting rid of the intervention, government does another intervention to try and fix something that's yeah. gone wrong. And that throws something else out. And there's too much of that. Uh, this government does compromise too much with the left, particularly on something like energy policy. Uh, and the danger is you end up with too little energy. It's too dear. Yeah, it's a small government. That's what we want. Uh, great to talk to smaller you. Smaller government. Smaller. Government All right, really smaller. Good. We'll agree on that. Uh, good to talk to you, Sir John. Thank you so much for your time. Sir John Redwood, the Conservative MP for Wokingham, uh, former Tory uh, cabinet minister, of course. I'm right, aren't I? That's the problem with the Tory party. They're all terrified to be Tories. You know, go, oh, well, we're really pretty green, you know, as well. We care about human rights and we don't want to be the nasty party. Well, I kind of do want them to be the nasty party, to be honest with you. Uh, first rule of politics, never listen to Theresa May the world's worst prime minister uh when we come back your calls 03444991000 i'm kevin o'sullivan this is talk tv live from the talk radio studios the home of common sense talk radio and talk tv it's a strange story uh the uk financial regulator the financial conduct authority the fca uh, they launched a probe in august quite rightly into debanking remember Nigel Farage uh, said that Coots tried to debank him to close all his accounts and that led to a, a slew of allegations that uh, banks were taking it upon themselves to cancel accounts for political reasons. 
Basically, if you're right wing, they didn't want your business. They say it was to do with being, you know, politically susceptible to corruption and all that sort of nonsense. Now, so they've been, you know, loads of people came forward and said, I've had my account cancelled. Nigel Farage, I think he had about four or five accounts cancelled. Couldn't get another account, by the way. I think in the end he sorted things out. Uh, but none of the banks wanted his business. Anyway, the FCA has conducted an inquiry since August and... Uh, they have uh, apparently decided there was no evidence that customers are being debanked or denied bank accounts uh, or other financial services because of their political views. There's loads of evidence out there. What are they talking about? What about Nigel Farage? Nigel Farage, not surprisingly, in fury, has declared that this verdict by the FCA is a whitewash and a joke. So, you remember all those stories. It wasn't just Farage started the ball rolling. And then in came loads of other people. Uh, among them, by the way, uh, were the, was the granddaughter of former Tory Chancellor Nigel Lawson, uh, who has Down syndrome. Uh, she had her account cancelled because she's politically connected. Uh, that was what was going on. There were loads of that, you know, and they and they find no, there's no evidence that customers are being denied bank accounts. So what do you think about that verdict? Uh, Nigel Farage says it is a whitewash and a joke. I think it's extraordinary. There is evidence. There's loads of evidence out there. There's a Facebook group with about 10,000 people on it who complain they've been debanked uh, by a major bank. So, you know, th there's no evidence. It's just bizarre. Bizarre. 0344 uh, Now we're going to return to uh, Russell Brand in the studio. Uh, thank you very much for coming in. Barrister and former Conservative MP Jerry Hayes. Hi, Jerry. Good morning, Kev. Uh, I asked this question uh, to one of your barrister colleagues earlier. Uh, if Russell Brand was your client right now in the predicament that he's in, yep. what would you be advising him to do? Uh, look at the evidence. Uh, when he goes to the police station, give a full comment interview. Tell his side of the story. Don't go no comment. Don't just do a blanket, um, I didn't do any of this. Any sex I had was consensual. Answer the police's questions because juries like that. And if he gets to court, whether it will or not, I don't know, um, give evidence. Tell his side of the story. Be straightforward. Be honest. Uh, indeed. And... Um the police are now officially investigating him because a fifth woman yeah. has come forward. Uh, again, uh, it's an obvious question, but if any of these accusations and allegations sort of come to fruition legally, uh, yeah. you know, and they end up in court, the police investigate and find there is a case to answer. Uh, should stress, uh, Russell Brand denies all wrongdoing. But if they end up, these are very, very historical sexual assault allegations are extremely difficult to prove aren't not they? necessarily i prosecute a lot of these oh, yeah, sort of cases yeah no they're not and of course one of the things that people are saying on the internet which they shouldn't because you've got one side for him and the other side against him i mean he hasn't even been charged yet we don't know whether he's going to be charged mm. in that it, it is regarded as a myth and a stereotype to say well just because just because you didn't uh, report it straight away and the judge will have to warn the jury and direct them ignore that I mean, I did a case not so long ago when there was a man who was uh, 
he was raping five-year-old boys and this happened along he got 27 years oh. and they didn't have the courage to come forward for all sorts of, yeah, of very good reasons for a long time but really there's a new twist to the story. I don't know whether you've seen it. I, I was I was coming in and I was looking at the Times, which is updated all the time, and that is YouTube are demonetizing. Yeah, they've taken away. No, no. Whoa, this is this is wrong. I'm not saying with his guilt or innocent. I don't know, but he's been cancelled before anything has been proved against mm -hmm. him. If someone made an allegation against you and you were acquitted. Mm -hmm or may not even be charged, you'd be finished. You'd be out of this studio and you wouldn't be working in the industry again. That is wrong. Uh, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I do uh, reject the suggestion that what's going on right now is trial by media. What we've actually got yeah. is a four-year investigation yeah. by two uh, reputable newspapers, the Times and the Sunday Times, and uh, C4, uh, Channel 4's dispatches. And what we're witnessing now, pages and pages of the newspaper, it's not a trial by no, it's, media. Right. It, it is uh, the media covering a major story. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to investigate. You wouldn't have got the expenses scandal of members of parliament if it hadn't been for the Daily Telegraph breaking the story. Many things wouldn't have come before the public or the courts unless journalists did their job. So I don't want to silence journalists and I don't think it is mm. trial by no, media it but it could be on the internet mm. when you've got two sides oh he couldn't do anything wrong oh he's totally guilty that is wrong and it is actionable as well whether he wants to take them to court is another matter but they leave themselves at considerable risk yes it's a good point you make there that, that, that this uh, the, the trial by media is just a useless cliche. Of course it is. Uh, what it usually means is the media is covering a big story. But what happens with these big stories inevitably is the public get involved and then it does become a sort of, of court of public opinion fracas, really. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the interesting thing is Catherine Ryan. What is she going to say? Because there are all sorts of allegations. There are no more than allegations that he was the person who is meant to have, um, I don't know, yeah. made you feel uncomfortable, well, let's put it. She said. She said in an. Uh, she didn't name him, but she said in an interview with Louis Theroux yeah. uh, that she had to work with someone that she said was a sexual predator, yeah. and that she challenged him on that. Yeah. Uh, and we now know that the person she was referring to was Russell Brand, who of course says he's not a sexual predator. Exactly. Uh, uh, now, uh, talking about you know. As we say, it's not trial by media, it's no. trial by the court of public opinion, if you like. If it ever did get to the police sort of charging him and there was a potential court case, would there be a defence to say, how does this guy get a fair trial after this wipeout coverage that basically depicts him as some kind of sex monster? It, happen it happens all the time, but I've always been of the view, and as you know, I prosecute and I defend these sorts of cases, mm -hmm. that there is anonymity for for, for, for women who uh, claim they've been assaulted. For the, the, We don't say victim at this stage, we say complainant. Um, why shouldn't the person who's accused have that an, an anonymity? until they are convicted. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, you get a footballer, boom, straight on the front page of the newspaper. Okay, fair enough. But, you know, is, is, is that right that their name before charge? It's tricky, isn't it? It is. Uh, how do you deal with it? I don't know how you deal with it because the press have got the right to do these things. But on the other hand, look at all these actors who've been accused of things and nothing has happened. They'll never work again. Yes, uh, it is a problem. I mean, he is 
really locked in now to the cancellation process. He's stuffed. He's totally stuffed. I I doubt whether it'll work again. I I was saying earlier that uh, these cancellation uh, systems, they're always the same. It always starts with, uh, you know, you get the allegations made, which are shocking and all over the front page. Then a charity will drop them. Then yeah. their management will yeah. drop them. And then, uh, obviously, the television companies say he'll never work for us again. And then they start coming for them financially, which is what yeah. has happened with YouTube. Yeah. Um, D, uh, now, he's estimated to, by posting five short videos a week onto YouTube, onto his channel, to make a million pounds a year. So YouTube cutting that income off is pretty significant. It is very significant, and I think it's wrong until he's, unless he's proved proved guilty. I mean, look look at Hugh Edwards, thoroughly decent man, very popular. He hasn't committed any criminal offence, but he's effectively cancelled. Look at Philip Schofield. Okay, not the most popular man in show business, but he hasn't done anything legally wrong. Well, don't forget what he said. Uh, What was that? It was... uh, (laughs) Uh, it, it was uh, le- un- uh, legal, but but un- unwise, uh, but not illegal. Well, it wasn't That's illegal said, yeah. at the end of it the It wasn't day. illegal. No, no, but his counsel is finished. Uh, well, I mean, what we're talking about, I mean, all of these cases, uh, you could talk about Jimmy Savile, you could talk about Philip Schofield, Hugh Edwards now, yeah. uh, Russell Brand. Uh, they come back, they come down to allegations that uh, powerful people, famous people, the misuse their power. That's the problem. And it's everywhere. It's not just in show business. Mm. It could it could be in a department store. It could be in any workplace. Powerful people, powerful people can abuse their position. And there's nothing new in it. We have to try and retrain them. How you retrain people like that, I do not know. Most people are honest and decent and keep their hands to themselves. Yes, uh, it, it is. I mean, as I say, I've got no sympathy for Russell Brand. You know, I never, never I don't liked know him. Much. Never found him funny. Oh, I thought he was quite funny. Uh, he had his moments. He had his moments. But the point is, you know, it's not to do with the individual, uh, and it's not to do with whether or not you think he might deserve it. I, I, whoever it is, I find the cancellation process it's horrible, uh, uncomfortable to say the so, least. So do I. Uh, it is. You know, it's like this kind of ruthless destruction. Bit by bit by bit, yep. uh, and in that respect, I'm sure Mr. Brand is not having a happy time right now. Who was now. that comedian? I can't remember his name now. Who was done over death in a swimming pool? He was a constituent. Oh, well, Michael Barron. Michael. Who, Barrymore. by the way, has come out in support of uh, Russell Brand. Oh no, but you for the un- wrong reasons. You That's can understand trouble. why. Yeah. You know, I've been there, sort of yeah. thing. A uh, talented man who was destroyed. Uh, indeed, uh, Jerry. Uh, great to talk to you. Nice uh, to speak Jerry you, Hayes uh, in the studio, barrister and former Conservative MP. Let me know what you think about Russell Brand. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, a company that is advertising a male uh, shaving hair grooming uh, gadget uh, with a trans man who's had a double mastectomy. Why don't they just get a bloke to advertise it? That's who's going to buy it. Uh, We're going to talk about that next. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. This is Talk TV, live from the Talk Radio studios. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Uh, Now, uh, let's talk about uh, Braun. Uh, You know, they make all these electrical gadgets. Uh, And uh, there's a a little top model called the uh, Series X Hybrid Trimmer. And that's for blokes to groom uh, their beards, their beard hair, their body hair, their head hair, offering styling and trimming from head to toe. Uh, Guess who's advertising it? 
a trans man with a double mastectomy operation. Uh, you know, you can see the scars. I mean, my question would be, you know, all right, if you think that's the best way to go commercially, fine, do it. But wouldn't it be better to sort of get a bloke, you know, somebody who's got a beard, you know, and, need, and needs this trimmer? Uh, and we've seen this before. Uh, and I think it trivialises very serious surgery. It trivialises gender dysphoria. Uh, and it's just frankly distasteful. Let's talk to the founder of Standing for Women, Kelly J. Keane. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, I think, look, we've commodified women, women's bodies for a really long time. Um, and now, you know, the choice for young women is only fans uh, on one extreme um, or cutting your breasts off on the other. And either way, you're jumping into a a pit of misogyny. Um, and I think women have always done that. Lots of people have always done that. They've always done things that are very bad for them uh, in the long run. But to to glorify it and for it to be sort of a capitally, um, a capitalist venture um, and advantageous to use these women uh, with their double mastectomy scars, uh, I just think that that just says exactly where we are right now, which is nothing of value is valued. And uh, lots of superficial things um, are seen to be virtuous. And, and this is just another one. It's just gross. I mean, the, there's women up and down this country who have probably had to have double mastectomies uh, in the last few months because it's their only way of actually making it to the next year. And uh, for this to then be celebrated and uh, lauded mm. by Braun, I think, is despicable. Uh, I hear you, Kelly. And uh, also, uh, I, you know, even uh, gender dysmorphic peep, dis people with gender dys dysphoria who have double mastectomies, that's still a serious operation. And I think uh, these kind of adverts insult them. Uh, we saw it only recently uh, with Costa Coffee, you know, with their, that cartoon on the edge of their delivery truck with a, you know, it's, it's, with the scars underneath there. Mm. It's a cartoon. Mm. Now, there was a massive outcry about that. Uh, people were just boycotting Costa Coffee left, right and centre, appalled by this trite, facile form of advertising. So what do you think has compelled Braun to go down that same path? Why have they done this? I mean, you know, we're, it's wokery and it's virtue signalling gone mad. It will be to their own detriment, won't it? Yeah, I think, look, is it young marketing teams? Is it inexperienced people that have just come out of university and think that they've just found uh, the new gold? I have no idea. Uh, but it just does seem to be uh, just really backward thinking. Uh, will men be more persuaded to buy brawn? Uh, when it comes to uh, the, their next purchase, when they're standing in the supermarket and they're deciding what to buy or they're, they're going on a, an online retailer to decide what to purchase, are they going to go, oh, yeah, Braun. Yeah, because I've got a double mastectomy too, so I'll get one of those <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but I see what you mean. They're going for the double mastectomy market, which is limited in itself. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just can't, I mean, I know it's an obvious thing to say, but this is a product for blokes, you know, with beards and things. Why don't they get a bloke to advertise it? Well, because then you probably might not be talking about it this afternoon. Maybe that's part of the strategy. Well, it doesn't but work I... for them, though, that, oh. because it's, uh, talking well, about it is not necessarily a good thing, as uh, Costa Coffee found out. No, absolutely. And Bud Light certainly found out. Yes. Um, 
and uh, Dr. Martin's used it. I think the most egregious example of double mastectomies in something was a recent children's book called Grandad's Pride. Uh, so, you know, it's not quite as bad as that. But I just think it's got to, there's, there's going to come a breaking point where everybody realizes that this is not a way to get sales. Um, and society really does need to catch up. I hope people boycott. I hope uh, the markets understand that this is a stupid move, uh, that using the, you know, you mentioned gender dysphoria, and I, I really don't believe that cutting off healthy body parts solves whatever mental disorder you have um, or whatever sort of distress or trauma that you suffer, I don't think is solved by um, by slicing off healthy body, body parts. And I hope that the NHS invests an obscene amount of money into actually uh, solving the distress through therapy uh, and real solutions rather than going quickly mm -hmm. to sort of slicing off these uh, these young women's breasts. Yeah, I mean, but, it's, you know, it's a serious operation, obviously, for many women, and uh, they're furious about this, the undermining yeah. of the seriousness of this operation. And for some trans, you know, for trans men who do go through this, it's also a very serious operation, uh, and it undermines it for them as well. So I think yeah. they're insulting everyone with this. Uh, good you brought the NHS up. Kelly J, because I wanted to ask you about this. I saw a story the other day, I think it was in the Sunday Telegraph. The General Medical Council has uh, issued a great big pamphlet all about motherhood and pregnancy, uh, banning the word mother. Uh, they don't use the word mother. They're called parenting person and all this sort of stuff. When When is this going to stop? I mean, again, who in the NHS thinks that this is what the people of Britain want of their health service? Who in the NHS thinks that what we want is that for everyone over the age of 13, when they go for a, an X-ray, uh, they have to be asked if they're pregnant. So if I go for an X-ray, they ask me if I'm pregnant. The answer to which is obviously, oh, I don't know, take a wild guess. What, who is it in the NHS that thinks this hopeless wokery, which is often damaging to the medical process, who is it thinks that this is what we want? Overpaid people who don't see patients. That's who. <laughs> That's who. It's people that are trying to justify their jobs. It's diversity and equality officers. It's all these silly jobs that we now have because we can't be trusted just to treat people fairly anymore. Apparently, we need to tick 100 boxes. I tell you who doesn't like it, and that's midwives. Uh, so I recently had, I do a phone-in show on my channel on, on a Tuesday night, and I had a midwife phone in, absolutely bereft, a young woman uh, who just feels that she can't speak um, in, on her course. Uh, she's training to be a midwife. Uh, she can't speak because so many of the young women are a little bit woke. Uh, but nobody wants this. Nobody wants to stop calling mothers mothers. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's insane. Or women, women. You know, what's wrong no. with the word woman or women? I well. mean, what, what, the NHS is ba are banning the, these words, you know, which, yeah. is, which I think is, is really sexist because they're basically cancelling the female gender. Well, I've known about this since I put my billboard up five years ago. It's definitely the word woman. It's all of the language associated with us. Uh, with this new advert with Braun, men are now being pulled into this ridiculous uh, erasure of language. Uh, so, it, you know, it's happening to men now, but it's been happening to women for a really long time. And until you start saying no, and by you I mean every single person that objects, Every time I go into an NHS establishment, if they have any pride 
regalia anywhere. I tell them I find it offensive. I tell people with rainbow lanyards I find it offensive. I tell people on trains uh, that come <laughs> and take my ticket that I find uh, their anti-woman um, display offensive. I tell the police. I tell everybody. And that's what it's going to take. The, the nice, us, you know, us lovely people, it's relied upon the fact that we are just going to put up and shut up. Yeah. And we're just going to think it's not really a big deal. You know, it's only the word woman or it's it's only a it's only a shaving advert. What does it really matter? And until we start telling people that it does matter, it will continue. Yeah, the disconnect between what the vast majority of people think about all of this nonsense and the the uh, proponents of it, you know, Braun, yeah. the people in the NHS, uh, the disconnect is vast. And the, the, the joke is that m the vast majority of people, they don't want any of this nonsense. And yet the virtue signalers and the woke warriors impose it upon us. Uh, yeah. You're right. We should rise up against it. Kelly J, it's been too long. Uh, good to talk to you again. Kelly you. J, J Keane there, founder of Standing for Women. Now, what do you think about that? You know, why, why? Give me a call. Let me know. Uh, should Braun be using a trans man with a double mastectomy operation to advertise, you know, a, a trimmer for your beard? Uh, I mean, by all means, do it, I suppose, if you want. Uh, there's nothing against it. Uh, but wouldn't it be better if they got a bloke to do it? You know, someone with a beard. It might help, mightn't it? Um, uh, by the way, some breaking news. Uh, New a Newcastle fan. Uh, has been stabbed three times ahead of the AC Milan match. Uh, the uh, fan is now, in, is now in a stable condition after being stabbed three uh, times ahead of the Champions League uh, match. Uh, uh, the Magpies are playing um, Milan tonight. Uh, so there has been a crowd violence and someone has been stabbed. Uh, so uh, the police are obviously investigating that, uh, but a very concerning situation. But very glad to hear that this uh, Newcastle fan, Magpies fan, who has been stabbed three times, is in stable condition. We wish him or her uh, a speedy recovery. Uh, it is a 58-year-old uh, man, uh, I can now tell you. I'm Kevin O'Sullivan. This is Talk TV live from the Talk Radio studios. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.